0: We need to better understand the context we're working in so that we are matching our strategy and our change approach to that current context.
1: Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rikweer Wait. In today's episode, I speak with Sarah Bubb. We talked about organizational change. We covered a variety of topics, including the types of change organizations face, success factors for change initiatives, change frameworks, including Theory U and the Kinefin framework for managing complexity. How We Can Link Strategy with Change Management and Futures Thinking and Leadership Development for Effective Change. And without further ado, here's the interview. Sarah, welcome on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you on the show, Sarah. And um, our topic for today is, of course, organizational change. Um, and, and that's a big area in, in which you, you work and where you uh, consult or, or advise organizations. So um, just perhaps as some context um, for our listeners, change is obviously a, const, a constant factor we all face. Um, there's always change in something that we need to deal, deal with and um, likewise for organizations, they will have a variety of change drivers which adds complexity into the operating environment. So what, what are the typical key types of change that organizations face?
0: Well, it's interesting because, as you say, change keeps going on, but the magnitude and the uh, variety of huge changes seem to be hitting organisations at the same time. So, whether it's the um, geopolitical changes, or the socio-economic changes, or the climate crisis, um, of course, with COVID and um, and the pandemic globally, this has impacted organisations on a on a systemic level. So, where they focus their uh, products, whether they're still relevant, where their customers are, and, of course, how they organize their model and their way of working is impacted all at the same time. So it's more as if um, what we've been talking about, the change factors, seem to be amplified and impacting organizations at the same time. And this is, uh, this is where I think these times are different. And, uh, we can almost bring forward by, I would guess, about eight to 10 years, the impact of the changes, um, than we were perhaps initially planning for.
1: Okay, well, so some something that I picked up from what you mentioned is definitely around change is this element of uncertainty. And I think that's why change can be so difficult because I think we, we prefer the familiar and, and we don't always like dealing with uncertainty. And then you touched on um, on COVID, which I think adds even more uncertainty and, and, and complexity. Um, and then you also mentioned how it kind of... Um, Increase the speed of change and things that we would only expect to see coming um, in in a longer period of time. Um, we need to deal with today, um, and and I think the the obvious one example is the whole idea of working working from home and uh, and r- remote work, and then obviously also just um how we how we have meetings and remote meetings via different tools such as Teams and and, and Zoom meetings. So and, and and digital transformation, I think you often hear that phrase being used. Um, it seems that's a good example those are some examples of how organizations were basically forced to um to move into that sphere as opposed to saying, no, it's something that we'll, we'll deal with later.
0: Exactly. So so we've been able to, as organizations, face these changes and make decisions far quicker out of necessity, but also because um, of, as you say, the unpredictability and uncertainty. So we don't know next what will come around um, to impact us. So be it the elections in America, what will impact be of that? What about the wildfires or the extreme weather patterns? How will that impact us? Um, uh, and the restricted mobility of products and people globally, what does that mean for local supply chains and infrastructure and of course uh, our people how how we work and how we structure our organizations, how we engage with each other. How we engage with our our customers is completely transformed. Uh, And many organizations were talking about this and contemplating, should we do this, shouldn't we, is it necessary, as you say, that we follow a digital transformation strategy? Is it necessary we reorganize our way of work? And this is where the acceleration, I think, has come of – Making decisions, responding to a complex and ever changing environment. So, that adaptability has been forced, but also um, quite impressive, actually, how many organizations have been able to, in a short space of time, re look at how do we survive, how do we confront some of these challenges, and can we almost reimagine a future that would be more inclusive and better to our planet and our people, um, and for our sectors to be sustainable going forward. So, whilst it's brought lots of challenges, it's also brought a lot of opportunities to actually relook entirely at the at the value chain, at the offerings, at the the market and the organisation. So, it's quite systemic. It's quite um, big changes, and at the same time, we still uh, still looking at how do we manage our day to day survival and cash flow and uh, organi- employee wellness. Um, certainly, has come up as a huge theme. Um, Mm -hmm. with how we deal with this on a personal level.
1: Yes, I I think, again, you've made a couple of of good points there. And I think the one, it seems like um, the current situation has imposed certain constraints Um, and it's actually shown what we what organizations can do Um, it was almost whilst it's a negative situation it was also a conduit to kind of force um, a bit of change and agility um, onto organizations and then I think something else that that I picked up is uh, whilst we need to focus on the day-to-day survival and doing what we need to do um, hopefully it's also a, a kind of a an incentive or a push factor for us to and for organizations specifically to have a bit of a more longer term focus because i think sometimes um, short-term short-term uh, planning is, is is often you know short-term results often take uh take importance or precedent over longer term um, actions and, and, and strategy and i think that links also to just the global much on much wider scale now the global economy and economic system, how we, how can we recover from this? Hopefully, we can move towards more sustainable um, practices.
0: Yes. If I think of organizations currently, you know, we're coming to the end of this year and many organizations are in business planning. And what astonishes me is how many are using um, – the as-is or the current status as the basis for planning going forward. In other words, they're not necessarily looking at uh, future thinking or forecasting or even scenarios to take into account and that to me is concerning because when the next um, wave hits us, or what's been called a gray one in some circles, um, or the black elephant, it's also uh, also being called, where we know the <laughs> changes are coming, but we don't necessarily uh, consider them, will impact businesses. So it's a challenge. As many people are f- spending many hours looking at how to sustain themselves, there's We need a duality or an adaptability to enable us to, at the same time, be considering the alternate futures, to be innovating, to be prototyping, testing, experiencing, stretching, trying new ways, new markets, um, and new ways of organizing ourselves. And that's a real stretch, I think, for organizations, but so essential. So how we do that is so key to... Um, to building the future, a better future, an alternate future, and for the sustainability of our organizations to keep adapting to ongoing change.
1: Mm. Again, I think the big point is it's easy to fall into that trap of the current action, current year now, and and it's so true what you're saying, and I think just in everyone's personal life as well, I think it's important to just... Make time for that reflection and strategic thinking, um, as opposed to the daily, daily things that we get busy with and, and, and we, we forget about. Things are changing whilst whilst we um, acknowledge it or not, things will change, um, and, and things won't stay as they are.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, and,
1: and and Sarah, then moving on, whilst we're talking about strategy. Um, In terms of strategy, execution is often an area where organizations fall short, Um, and and I think it's the same for, is the same true for change initiatives, are there overlaps or differences, is there something else important to to having a successful um, transformation program um, within organizations, managing change successfully?
0: Mm. Yeah, I think definitely. And um, given the complexity of our times, I think one of the areas where change and strategy are often uh, misaligned with the current context is that organizations often put their eggs in one basket with one strategy, one strategic direction, and at the same breath, try and have one change program uh, and uh, a, a linear way or a stepped approach to to use the jargon, to roll out a change across an organization. And I think we're, uh, yes, about um, 63% of, st- of um, strategic projects are implemented, which means we're missing a whole bunch. So we don't get to see the results of that strategic execution and likewise with change programs. So often organizations embark on change programs and do not see the results. And in fact, even may have uh, more disengagement, disillusionment and frustration after a change process that seems so um perhaps extended, but also to not bring the results that it promises. And I think I think there are a few reasons for that. And the first one, as I've mentioned, is that um we need to better understand the context we're working in so that we are matching our strategy and our change approach to that current context. So we need to be saying actually we're in a complex, ever-evolving environment. So our in fact we need to have multiple strategies or even scenarios and multiple change uh, initiatives to support where we want the organization to be going. So we have a purpose or an intentionality but this cannot be achieved through one roadmap because it's like saying I've got a destination but I'm only going to get there in one route but meanwhile that route gets flooded or it gets, uh, there's a social protest or these events that occur along the way. So we need multiple routes to consider to get to that destination. And this does add even some complexity to our leadership. So the first thing is to look at, um, do I understand the context as complexity and do I have a strategic approach and a change approach that works with that um, reality And I think the second thing uh, where we can look at um, how we uh, misalign our change and strategy with, um, and therefore cannot execute it, is um, that we do not uh, look at where we have um, multiple experiences of that future already. So, in other words, um, in organizations, I was just talking to an organization, in fact, on Tuesday, about collaboration. So, in complexity, we have multiple. Uh, relationships and opportunities to explore new markets and new supply chains, and collaboration is a key capacity. But instead of saying we must now change and introduce it uh, as if it were new and as if we can drive a change from the top, which is old approach, and then we simply communicated and expect a behavioral change, um, what we're seeing with um, behavioral economics and neural science and complexity change is that, Rather, let's focus on where that experience exists and amplify it. So in other words, how do we make that new behavior uh, easy and visible and accessible to everybody? And this is quite a different way of seeing change in strategy. So it's not that we don't have customer centricity or we don't have digital processes in mind, but we have not amplified those or explored how they apply in different parts of the business. So, I think again that's a fundamental shift of how we used to approach change and Often, when you speak to people about change, they 'll say, "Oh, we must communicate people, we must get buy in, we must you know just talk to everybody in the organization That may be one part of it, but it's certainly insufficient to actually achieve a behavioral change. So, if we think about what does that strategy look like in practice and how what behaviors do we want? We can design a far more effective um change." A uh, process of amplifying, exp- experimenting, and uh, learning and growing. So we need almost a nudge, prototype, experimental approach to: Is this working here? How do we embed it? How do we grow it? If it's not, then we fail. They learn fast, fail fast, uh, and we move on to trying a different approach or a different strategy. So our agility and adaptability in the change is so key. So we're not looking after a, a one linear process, but rather multiple variations and seeing how they fit across the business and uh, whether the change is actually achieving the behaviors that support the strategy. And we have seen that happen. It's been so key that um, that we we're able to almost let go and loosen up on Um, how we are doing things and being open to a growth mindset and experimenting and learning. So that capacity of learning, collaboration, curiosity becomes key um, to us on, on an ongoing basis because change is also not one program. Change cannot be finite because if we're in a complex environment, in fact, our approach to change needs to be much more about how do we continually adapt and grow and thrive within a changing construct or context as opposed to seeing changes, okay, I'll finish this change project and then waiting for the next change project. So it's quite a different approach to uh, how we've seen change traditionally implemented, but is far better suited to the context and better able to achieve the the strategic direction that an organization wants.
1: (coughs) Yeah, I, I picked up a number of excellent points again, the Sarah that you made, and I think just now lastly, I think it, it's it's also the saying almost if you change your perspective, what you see changes, um, and and I think the one element is the this this idea that we we fall into thinking in a linear way, and and obviously there's complexity. And with a strategy, I liked what you said. You, we have a specific purpose and, and what we want to achieve with an organization. Um, and you'll have a strategy document, for example, but it's, it's important to have that adaptability in, in saying that there are multiple roads, bringing in the idea of scenarios into the strategy. Um, just, just being able to adapt because we can still achieve our purpose if we adapt. Um, to changing circumstances but then we need to be able to to be adaptable in our strategy itself um, and and then I think you also touched on the people element and I think it's it, it's to me it also comes up just in strategy in general and also in project management how how important the people component um, is in in these types of things and and, and then he um, touched on we, we have already have existing, um, behavior within the organization, which I find very interesting. Um, and you linked, linked it to, to behavioral economics and the work in that area. And I think it, what, what it, if, if I understand and what, what it stands out for me is all, um, uh, this idea of seeing where are we are already doing, um, where we're we already seeing these behaviors within the organization and perhaps those, Those people can be used as change agents, if I can use that term, um, as opposed to just trying to drive it from the top to say, where are we already excelling in a certain area? And how can we build on that and amplify that? Um, Then it's almost an internal drive um, of of the change that you want to see, as opposed to just saying, we're declaring this um, from the top, and then now this has to magically um, flow through the organization.
0: Yes, and uh, and then it becomes far more concrete and accessible, and um, and one has then uh, models because of what it looks like. So what this actually looks like and how I can experience it, which is um, which we see already influences people's behavior change.
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 I'm assuming perhaps in if this is the kind of the approach, people might be more open and receptive to to this as well.
0: Yes, because then we're also seeing that, um, number one, it's not making me look as if I don't have these capacities, but you're seeing possibility and uh, you're able to replicate that and experiment with it. So it frees you up. So as opposed to it being a punishment that you haven't achieved these things, it becomes an opportunity to explore and to see the experience and embody what that new change uh, brings to you and your department. So, um, and another simple example. I uh, happened to be working with a retail organisation just before COVID um, uh, hit Wuhan, or the global news, and we were looking at scenarios in any event for the organisation, and uh, and this was such a useful tool. So, apart from it being this theoretical way of thinking about the future, we could practically talk about um and build scenarios of what if you know the pandemic uh, has a bigger impact than we thought what does that mean for employees for the um team for the um for the market and the customers and so through that very experience of uh, working with alternate strategies, the team was building that capacity. And now it's become an innate way of them working. So they moved more to a local supply chain and at the same time lived their values of supporting global supply chain Um but the very experience of it uh, allowed them to practice futures thinking. And so this now has become a, a way of a way of working with change for them. And uh, it's, it's uh, very exciting for them. And they've been able to see possibility and respond really quickly in a time that otherwise could have been devastating for them.
1: Mm. Now, that's fantastic. So basically, they have a broader I think this new way of, of, of looking at things and this kind of a future perspective makes them much better prepared. Um, obviously, um, you know, they don't know exactly what will happen, but they're in a much better position to deal with that because they thought through um, alternatives as a, as opposed to just being set in this is our one reality and this is the way we're going to deal with things and how we're going to do things. Yes, um Sarah, then just going into a bit more detail around change, can you tell us a bit more about the key change frameworks that organizations can use to make sense of change? Obviously, I think that that that's important. How do they make sense of change and how do they diagnose challenges um, that emanate from change? Obviously, that is quite more important having that understanding before you try and jump into solution mode and trying to come up with some program or solution.
0: Yes, I think one of the most uh, useful frameworks is the Carnefin framework. Uh, Dave Snowden and Cognitive Edge have been working for actually for 21 years, but it's found the time of, um, of its relevance, uh, particularly now. And this framework uh, is a decision-making tool that helps you make sense of what your context is. And there are five demands in this, and the first one is one that we're probably most used to—that when we uh, find it a very clear issue that we need to resolve, um, it's quite straightforward. There's uh, a clear causality, cause and effect. If our environment is saying we need to make a decision of um, of. Uh, following a particular production uh, line, we can f- make decisions uh, using best practice. So we can look at how somebody else has fixed this production line. We can look at if I move this bolt, that'll be the impact. We can look at the tension on the line. So quite fixed constraints. It's quite clear how we make decisions and how we can uh, manage change but what happens is that situation may be more complicated. So the second domain is saying, actually, it's complicated. So the example Dave gives is, uh, or that has been given is, so if you have a Ferrari, it's it's still it's still a car, and there's still clear constraints, but it's more complicated. So how are you actually going to? Or if you have an electric car, it's it's still a car that you can predict if you do this, that'll happen, uh, but it's more complicated. So here you have. Uh, ways of sensing what's happening analyzing how to fix it and then respond what we found ourselves in in covid when it first came out though was a chaotic in the chaotic domain so in crisis management we wouldn't respond with best practice because we haven't seen this and we saw many people trying to look back to spanish flu and what's best practice of how to deal with this what have we learnt of course that can give us input But in a chaotic situation, in essence, our first thing we do is we act. There are no constraints. We put in those constraints. So we try different things um, to at least bring it to some sort of – Uh, control um some sort of uh understanding so we we if we're in a chaotic situation essentially what we're saying is work from home wash your hands wear a mask and we um can then try and work out what else to do from there And this is where we find ourselves in the current state and that's complexity so the complex domain is saying that we have um We don't know. We have many unknowns, and that's very uncomfortable for us. We don't know cause and effect. So what's happening now with COVID, that Germany and there have been bigger spikes in the UK and France, and there's more curfews being put in place. How did that happen? We don't yet know. There isn't a clear cause and effect. So what we do is we probe. We try and make sense of something, and we work out responses. Uh, So we try and uh, recreate uh, opportunities, or processes, or products, or markets, to see if that gets a better response. So it's about probing, and then we sense, and then we respond. So will this initiative work? Won't it? Is that the best way? Is it? Uh, is there such a thing as herd immunity? Is there such a thing as social? Does social distancing? How far should that be? And we um, we keep probing with different responses to see until we can get a response or an outcome. So this framework of understanding our context and making sense of change uh, can really help you um, to decide on what's the best response in that situation. Um, I think another framework that's really useful is uh, the simple framework of Theory U, which really reminds us to make sense of our future, Uh, really to look at – we can use different techniques, so steep or even uh, some future thinking, uh, but what is happening at the moment and what do we understand as the dynamics? So backcasting, um, but we often don't spend enough time looking at our context, what are the kernels of the dynamic, What, are, uh, and we jump into decisions and action. And then we might be missing exactly what the trends or the dynamics are, and our decisions or our actions uh, may absolutely miss the point or the Uh, the issue that we're trying to resolve. So I remember being quite surprised when I first started working with scenarios, just how much time is spent in analyzing the current uh, patterns, dynamics, assumptions, and beliefs. Because if you extrapolate those into the future, that's where we get our scenarios. So sense-making is key. Often uh, leaders, executives are so pressured, they jump into uh, future decisions based on false assumptions or premises uh, of on the current. So this notion, as I mentioned earlier, of deciding your future business plan based on outdated um, data is really unuseful. So we can't say, well, last year we had 10% growth, so next year we have 10% growth. Our current situation is fundamentally different. So, making sense and using simple frameworks, but it's the the logic and the discipline of spending enough time there that you'll begin to see clearly where can I leverage, where can I have the biggest impact, and what can I at least try. So, which multiple uh, frame, which multiple uh, strategies or um, experiments can I can I take forward? So, yeah. no. let me pause there. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: that, that's really a powerful powerful tool, um, and and the the Kinefin framework and the theory you that you mentioned, um, and I think I, I've seen it across many areas personally as well. This idea of context, and, and for me, it's really as well like the context. Context makes the world of difference. What is your context? So it's crucial to then, um, for example, using the Kinefin framework to determine what is our current context. What, what is it? Is it complicated? Are we in a complicated or is it just a uh, was it a complex or chaotic um, setting? Because all of that determines what we actually need to do or how we need to first sense, make sense, um, before we jump into best practice, for example. And, and then it's not going to deliver the results that, um, that we want at all. And, and I think the other element is, um, you spoke about scenarios and just investing time in futures thinking, I think is so, so, so important. Um, it might, it, 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 to do it properly, I think you need to invest time, uh, but it can deliver such valuable results um, if you make that a priority um, in being better prepared. And, and and then I think you've, my, my next question, we've already uh, partially touched on, you gave an example um, of, of a retailer you spoke to. I wanted to ask around, obviously if, if organizations go into this practice of, of making ch- uh, futures thinking a priority, it can help them uh, to be better prepared but how can organizations link this into their strategy um, uh, along with change management and, and futures thinking? Are there specific suggestions you might give because obviously also um, for example if the person is who's in charge of strategies might not be familiar with this type of these types of tools or the, this way of looking at things um, what might be a good idea to try and bring this into an organization in some form at least?
0: Yes, I think um, absolutely the alignment of strategy, change, and futures thinking is a is a really good triad to think about. And I think there are a few things that uh, we need to consider in how to go about this. And the first is, um, and I think the opportunity is now, because we're being so challenged on so many fronts, is to bring uh, multiple stakeholders and voices into the room. What do I mean there? Normally, uh, uh, a way of doing strategy is to take the ex-go away for two days and to have a conversation, maybe a bit of input, maybe a bit of preparation, and to make some decisions. Um, this uh, may, again, just be a bringing one into a pattern of repeating what we've done before, which doesn't necessarily – Prepare us to be adaptive or to really stretch to where our customers are changing. So customers purchasing patterns with the economic constraints, are looking for more digital strategies, more efficient ways. So how do we service those customers if we haven't had a time to talk to them, if we haven't brought in their voices? How do we look at extending our value chain? So maybe looking at ecosystems of shared value that um, we can't just be servicing, many people argue, our customers, but who are our stakeholders. And that, in fact, um, many organizations that are surviving will have a greater purpose to serve in um, their societal and local economic uh, context uh, including the supply chain distribution channels um, and others so if we brought different diverse perspectives from our value chain and even an extended value chain of shared value into our strategy conversations, we would be far better positioned to um, to make sure we 're building an uh, a suitable relevant adaptable Uh, strategy or direction for our business? Why do we exist is a question we need to actually revisit. Why does your business exist? What is it uh, bringing that others don't? And where is it positioned to do that? I think also in this conversation, a lot more different collaborations have opened up. I think there's been quite um, interesting changes, particularly in the biotech industry, where we're seeing more local uh, people deliver. Uh, linking up with global providers um, where organizations have pivoted their strategy to service, um, you know, where the organizations maybe in alcohol are now suddenly making sanitizers or... Mm -hmm. of car manufacturers making visors. So we we can pivot if we connect in with uh, what's needed. And that means much more diverse perspectives in that uh, strategy conversation. And the future thinking, I think there is inevitable too. And interestingly enough, just it happens to be retail, but also in financial services. um, If we just think about our old strategy, it's not going to last into the future. So we need to think almost of our customers' customers. So who are the children of our customers? Who are the customers that they're servicing and what do they need, um, needs to come into that futures thinking too. So is it, you know, more of a gig economy? So it's a more of a digital platform. Is it more uh, efficiency? Uh, is it cheaper? Is it um, more innovative? And we see a lot of industries being challenged because people are coming in, being sideswapped by uh organizations that weren't the traditional competitors. So whether it's uh, Amazon suddenly offering a whole range of services uh, will impact. So future thinking is key to know who are we servicing and what are their needs in terms of the the future and how can we best serve that. And then change would be, well, how do we prepare our our leadership, our culture, our structure, our way of working to deliver on that um, that uh, alternate trend or um, service process delivery. And that's where uh, we've already touched on, having um, multiple approaches to uh, to change. And do we have agile teams? Do we have a more networked organization? Do we have more of a hybrid model? What platforms and uh, how do we look after the wellness of our, of our people? So leadership and how leadership approaches um, this is key too. And do we have the capacity to keep this keep this going?
1: That's mm-hmm. those are really great examples, Sarah. And and I think one thing that there were multiple um, great points you made is perhaps also our current um, COVID environment um, helps towards this. Is um, just thinking beyond just profits and and the normal doing of business, but thinking about our linkages, businesses linkages to society, and and obviously customers and their customers. So it's it's much more like t- taking a much more integrated view on things, and exactly what you said around stakeholders. Um, just getting that communication between stakeholders and involving more stakeholders and diverse views um, can really add value to this whole process. Um, the, then Sarah, I think you also touched on this, um, but maybe we can go into a bit more detail around organizations managing change. When they to to in order to manage change effectively, um, whilst also empowering leaders, how can organizations develop leadership capabilities? I think it's you know it almost needs to happen at the same time. I gave the example, for example, an, an organization which is not really you know tuned into futures thinking or change, um, the process of change, how can they manage the process while also empowering their people and their leaders with the necessary um, capabilities to support effective change management?
0: Yes. And this is, again, where we're saying that that dual uh, focus is so key. So, absolutely, I think leadership capabilities and uh, to, to in futures thinking, in complexity, change uh, are, is key. And Again, training in isolation is less useful. So it's more about providing opportunities to apply this um, that becomes the balance in change and mm-hmm. change management. So if you are wanting to do this, how do you how does your organization actually have a future thinking activity? How do you look at, for example, scenarios or different strategies and what that could mean for business? So it is a time factor as well as a capability but mostly an opportunity issue and um, to really try, stretch, and learn. But having said that, it sounds really easy. I think it is a really hard stretch for many leaders. We've not been trained in um, in not know- – mostly leaders are, are, are trained to know, to be the go-to person, to offer certainty, to uh, be the experts in a field, um, And this shift to saying, in complexity, I don't know. I need many voices to know. Collectively, we will have different insights. Um, and that I'm not the expert in this is a big stretch for leaders. So as much as we can build capacity, I think through providing opportunities to do this, we're also helping leaders feel um, safe and not fear failure because to make strategy and decisions in a time of uncertainty is a stretch because we fear. We don't know if it's the right one, the wrong one. We don't even have anything to check it against. So we need to invite that experimental growth mindset uh, in a safe way for people to so-called fail, but more than that, to learn, to learn from it and to pivot quickly. And we've seen organizations do pivot quickly, but actually it's that capacity to do it on an ongoing basis that we're wanting to embed. So it's building what uh, Mary Albion calls adaptive spaces. So in our organizations, we have the current business as usual. We've got the innovative, creative, alternate futures, and we're almost helping bridge the gap in adaptive spaces for leaders to say, this is how we can try it, and this is these are the processes that might stop us and where we have opportunities to try it, but then embed it, bringing into the new, normal, business-as-usual way of doing things. So it's a capacity, it's an opportunity to execute, and more so it's helping bridge the gap between letting go of old ways and embracing new ways.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that unlearning and relearning that needs to happen.
0: That's really hard. I think we just have some compassion for that too.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, it, it is really, it's more more what you know it's like a habit as well. once you, it's much easier once a habit it's or once a habit has been formed, it's much dif- much more difficult to let go of that habit than adopting a new one.
0: Yes, especially even if we know the new habit is better for us, we resort to the older habit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's a de- <laughs> default program. <laughs> and, and, and Sarah, I think linked to what you've you've mentioned those again great examples. I think probably for organizations that are in a position to do that, I assume, getting a change expert or a futurist um, can also be quite helpful in the early stages to facilitate this type of thinking and process internally um, until that capacity has been more developed within the organisation.
0: Yes, where I've seen that work well is where a leader works with their team. So, you know, an exco team or operations team or where they get to to learn but, but apply. And yes, some um voices that can support that way is very helpful um, we're, we're working with a bank at the moment that's um doing some digital work but at the same time they're working through um teams in a different way in agile self directed work teams so supporting the learning behind the scenes on the technical changes has been really key to them so it 's not just about getting the new platform but it's also about how do we work differently and use data differently and engage differently across the business so that's uh, I think their appreciation of the um, of the guidance and facilitation and coaching and support uh, to help them carry on doing it is what's key so it 's really about an initial um, uh, support and enablement mm. that that it can benefit. Yes,
1: mm. yeah, and, and getting people to to kind of implement what they've learned. Obviously, that's that's the most value, as opposed to just transferring knowledge. Once once you get people to start thinking about it and employing it, then it it becomes much more valuable and easier to then obviously absorb and become a new habit. If I can use that example. Um, Sarah, then to, to close off with are there any books or other resources on change management and, and the broader topics we discussed today and um, that you could recommend for our listeners?
0: Um, there, there are a few, but I think from a leadership point of view, I'm a, I'm a great fan at looking at what stops us or what keeps us in current patterns or habits, as you say. So I think there's a really useful book, um, Unlocking Leadership Mind Traps by Jennifer Garvey Berger, that gives you a chance to look at myself as a leadership or my leadership team and what can I do to um, unlock um, new habits and new ways of working with complexity. I think it's very accessible, it's very practical and even some of the books um, on the the practice of adaptive leadership by Heifetz, mm-hmm. Gresho Linsky is really useful, very Practical ways of working with um, being adaptive as leaders, and building um, really support processes and capacities uh, are really helpful from an organisation point of view. I think I mentioned Mary Albion on the uh, creating or enabling adaptive organisations is key, and uh, and really supporting organizational change behind you. So it's the leadership and the organizational ch- change that uh, that can reinforce one another. I think those two are really helpful. And just one other thought is that I'm seeing more and more that leaders are being drawn in complexity to be more and show more compassion. Um, mm-hmm. So beyond collaboration and structures and strategy, there's a real need to uh, engage with um, with your employees, to be supportive, to be listening, to be providing some sense of direction, and uh, support supporting people in a time of fear and uncertainty. I've not seen it to the scale ever, really, and so to help leaders in that, I think there are also some. Some useful resources would be emotional agility. Susan David, she's got a TED talk and her book is also really practical and useful and insightful. Uh, there's also a book about creating an everyone culture by Keegan and Leahy. So that's how mm-hmm. to create an inclusive culture so people feel that they belong and have meaning and a sense of direction. Um And others, but that could be a good start. So you're Mm -hmm. aware of your organization, your leadership, as well as the culture that you are practicing every day to help yourself and the organization through this. Mm
1: -hmm. No, those sound like uh, great additions for my bookshelf.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure your bookshelf is very full already. (laughs) Yes,
1: you know, as soon as you you never catch up, there's always more books that are added, you you know. (laughs) Yeah. But you're… (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. And um, yeah, it, it's really insightful. And I hope we can chat again in the future.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy listening.